0: Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTD's. I don't even know my name my company anymore. It's changed.
1: We did <laughs> what, that what, five times. the name we changed? changed?
0: Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving. Anymore.
1: Well, it's UTD Team Diving
0: or UTD Scuba or UTD Diving. It? You
1: can have an official name.
0: It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jeff Seckendorf, CEO of UTD Scuba Diving, here with our training director, Ben Boss. Hey, Ben. Hey, hey everybody. And uh, a wonderful guest, a special friend of ours, uh, Martina Corelli, a UTD instructor based in Italy. Hey, Martina.
2: Hi. Hi to everybody.
0: So great to have you here. So, so what we're going to do today is answer questions about ratio deco. And the way this started was Martina called me a week or two ago and said, I need to do something more to polish up my tech diving. Can I say this about you? (laughs) Because it's true. (laughs) And so I was like, well, go study ratio deco, then give us a list of questions and we'll do a podcast on it. So that's where most of these questions came from. And they're really, I think you did an awesome job. They're really interesting and intuitive questions about ratio deco that give us an opportunity to really talk about, you know, what ratio deco is really in the weeds. So I think the only disclaimer is this is not a podcast. where We're actually going to teach ratio deco. So this will probably make more sense if you've been through the program or at least been through the, the uh, online course. So we are going to run a series of live ratio deco classes live via web conference zoom or something over the next few months. But, um, Also, for sure, if this interests you and you're having trouble sort of grasping any of these things we're talking about, then go back to the website, pick up the content for Ratio Deco 3.0, watch all of those, what, 8 or 10 or 12 chapters, and then come back and listen to the podcast again. I think the whole thing will really, really find it makes a lot of sense for you. So uh, I think we should dig right in, right? Yeah, for sure. All right. So, Martina, they're your questions. So, go for number one.
2: Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay. First one. Uh, Ratio Dico 2.0 came out after a very destructive study by Spisni et al. And so, mm-hmm. what led you to the Ratio 3.0?
0: Yeah, yeah, so, a so good we'll, it's a really good question. So, um, this was based on the study that was done in Italy about four or five years ago out at Argentario Divers. And let's talk about what led to the changes to ratio
1: DECO 3.0. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. First of all, Martina, thank you. And um, yeah, hi again. It's been a long time <laughs> since we chatted. And Uh, Also, thanks for your openness and like Jeff stated in the beginning, it's like, hey, yeah, I want to do something to polish up my technical diving and move it forward. Uh, How do I go about this? How do I pick up some training, some gaps? How do I, you know, polish my skills? And it's just fantastic. And for everyone listening or watching this here, uh, it goes to show that we as UTD and all our instructors take our diving serious. It's like, hey, if you stop doing certain types of diving, you lose the edge a little bit. It's a, it's like it's like an athlete. If you don't train a skill you've acquired, you get slower. And 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 that's just the fact. So kudos to you to um, to just come out and say it and say, Hey, let's grab the bull by the horns and and let's get to it. So fantastic. And I'm sure we'll will help you on the way. And vice versa. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer the question, yeah, uh, I was involved back then in, uh, in, in Italy uh, in those dives and the finalization of those dives because it was a five-year-long study uh, led by some really big names, especially in Italy. So it, for the first, it was, I think, one of the only big scale um, tests that have been done in the history of scuba diving in recreational diving. Because usually all these tests, they've been done in a commercial diving setting because A, that's where they have the funds and B, they, they probably can circumnavigate certain morality uh, issues when it comes to putting people underwater doing tests about diving. Because that's always uh, a big uh, issue with testing anything that has to do with, with with humans. So it was fantastic to see that the, the way the whole setup back then was, was put out. And it also had something to do with the realistic diving and not just some kind of a small case study where with too many limiting factors. Even though there were some limiting factors in the fact that uh, we were only allowed to use the ratio deco strategy uh, in a predetermined form, that meaning beforehand we sat down and and. Uh, jotted some numbers on on paper and executed the dive to the number right and regardless if it was ratio deco back in the beginning or 2.0 or now 3.0 the strongest point or the strongest uh, attribute that ratio deco gives us is the fact that we're constantly during the dive have the knowledge and the ability to adjust our deco for our benefit and uh, and and That flexibility kind of got taken from us uh, during the study, and which is understandable because if you change the complete profile, it's very hard to then compare. And and that's the whole thing. So after that study was finalized, we made some changes uh, to ratio deco uh, accordingly. Those changes were relatively minor because the study, uh, even though it was a big study, it was in a very... A relative limited depth range um, uh, conducted. Plus the focus of the study was a lot to do with how our immune system was responding to certain stimuli when it comes to decompression profiles. And that's why it was also called the decompression profile project uh, because I was looking at the profiles more uh, and then the immune systems activation more than anything else basically Um, but it really put I think a a great step forward into our industry and afterwards even in Italy if I'm not mistaken certain uh, smaller researches have been done now also on recreational diving uh, in the recreational diving uh, side of it of recreational diving so not technical diving within recreational diving. So NDL diving, where they've looked at deep stops and where they've looked at certain ascent profiles, uh, as well as an Australian um, research that has been a spinoff of that. Yeah. So for to answer the question, why did we now change to 3.0 after we've already made the change in 2017 uh, to 2.0, is that since 2017 until, yeah, when we changed to 3.0 in early 21, A lot of things have come to light. And personally, I wanted to look more into developing the new strategy based on the new data. So I kind of went blank slate and looked at how can we change certain really fundamental parts of ratio deco so that A, it would be easier to work with. And uh, we can delve into that a little bit deeper if I remember your question lists correctly when it regards to deep stops and and what we're doing with those. But also when it comes to the studies that have shown uh, with certain um, mathematical heat mapping uh, when it comes to tissue loading on the shallower portions of the dive where deep stops were used and when deep stops were not used. So basically after a slow ascent from a deep dive with gas switching, did that have an effect on our um, slower tissues when we came to the shallower parts? So those are two big, big um, contributing factors that I wanted to address within ratio DECO uh, 3.0.
0: So it's still dual phase. I mean, I think that's the thing that's really important, right? It's still the the concept of 3.0 still that the deeper stops are managing bubbles and the shallow stops are managing dissolved gas. It's just sort of what really changed were the proportions and, uh, you know, the percentages of of depth and so on to
1: make those stops a little more effective. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I felt there was a a need for change because the deep stops had, the the, the way we shaped our stops had changed a little bit. Um, uh, But that's where the, was the biggest uh, change. And then we've, altered a little bit on where and how deep we started doing certain stops. And those percentages of uh, dive depths have like, crept shallower even uh, even further now in, in ratio DECO 3.0. Okay, go for go for the next one.
2: Next one. Okay. Um, you talked about the ability of change the compression strategy during the dive. Mm-hmm. So yep. now I will- to talk about computers, because yes. uh, we affirm that dive um, computer validation it's it's problematic. Can yeah. you explain us why? And uh, moreover, you affirm that um, PC generated tables present challenges with repeatable errors. Can you yeah. explain us how Radsidico 3.0 gave a solution to this problem?
1: A uh, very good question. And it's a very it's a question we get almost or I get at least almost every time I te- teach a higher level class and um, uh, why are we uh, not using a dive computer? Why are we using ratio deco? Oh, what's the problem with the dive computer? If we're saying that the ratio deco strategy 3.0 strategy gives gets you very, very close to the numbers that a computer spits out, which they do because without getting ahead of the next questions it's not an algorithm it's not that we're have devised a new algorithm based on whatever and and decided that's the way to calculate deco no it's it's, it's based on all the algorithms that is out there so it, it will actually give you a result that is very close to what a, a mainstream computer would say so to answer uh, very 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 briefly or, or very, To the point, a computer is a very dumb piece of equipment, right? You put some numbers in a calculator, you hit the equals mark, and it spits out. And usually, we know that it's roughly right. Because if I go 12 times 8, and it it shows me a number that is in the thousands, I'm like, okay, I made made an error. I, I typed something wrong. So I know it cannot be thousands and thousands. I have a a, a relationship with those numbers to a certain extent that I can kind of guess if the numbers make sense. Within diving, this is what ratio deco gives you. A diving computer cannot be validated for what it's meant to do. And that means it cannot validate a dive computer to guarantee if you will get decompression sickness or not when you follow the computer to the letter. Because if you look at Dan's statistics, over 80% of the people that get hospitalized or treated in a pressure chamber because of decompression sickness were diving with the dive computer within the limits of that dive computer. And that's not to say, uh, before I get all the dive computer manufacturers on my neck, that they're wrong. The computers are perfectly correct and they did exactly what was meant to what they were meant to do within the limits. It just is a very, very strong argument that there are so many things within our physiology that influence our decompression, cleanliness. And this is something that uh, for me personally, the Spincy project in 2016 really highlighted for me that, okay, wait a minute. Yes, of course, everyone knows that we as a, a human being are different from being to being and from day to day, but it really highlighted that, that there are so many external factors that has an, have an influence on our decompression, that we cannot just solely keep look on the numbers, even though that's the comforting thing to do, right? I mean, it's so comfortable to sit on the water after a 60-meter dive, look at your computer, and it says you have 23 minutes from here until you do your oxygen switch at six meters. I mean, that's so reassuring. But it, it's total BS, to be honest, because it's it's a piece of software strapped on the outside of your arm with no internal links to your body, no measuring at all. It's just following a depth profile. It has no idea how you have been breathing. It has no idea what your exertion was. It has no idea the temperature influence. It has no idea what your level of immune response to the decompression stress is. So there's so many factors that the computer cannot tell cannot calculate with. And even though in the later uh, years, technology has evolved, so that certain computers have now uh, experimented with temperature. And they try to incorporate water temperature into their algorithm. So cold water will actually have you, give you some kind of a, a penalty. Uh, but having said that cold water doesn't mean you're freezing. I've actually been cold more often in the Red Sea than I have been here up in the North, because here I know it's bloody freezing. There you expect it's warm and then you push the limit maybe a bit more. You know, diving with a cold, we all say yeah, don't dive with a cold because of your equalization problems or mucus or reverse blocks or everything else. But now we know if you have a cold, your immune response is on high alert. Your body is already flushing with cytokines, which are small enzyme clusters that triggered the white blood cells to attack the virus. Um, It's also something we learn now with COVID. And one of the things that came out of the the results in the decompression profile project in Italy was that we could see a higher influence of the cytokines 30 minutes after the dive had been finished uh, and onwards, uh, because then we could see uh, an activation of the immune response. So the reason is, the validation of a dive computer can only be done by the things that we can be assured of are correct. And if you look at the CE validation of a dive computer, they only look at what can be actually measured and calibrated. And it's the timings device that's in the dive computer. It's the depth sensor that they use to tell you what, how deep you are. It's the temperature sensor that the computer uses uh, and that's basically it. And it's a bit about a battery life. Um, that's also a part of it. But that's it. The CE testing doesn't take anything into account because it's not personal protective equipment. It's a timing device. So when we look at personal protective equipment ever, everywhere else in any other market, the helmet, for example, they get tested on, okay, how hard can we bang our head on the floor uh, without it causing brain damage? And it can be tested with dummies and all that sort of stuff. In decompression, because it's such a, dynamic process within our bodies, it can never be. I don't think it, it, I don't think we'll ever gonna get anywhere near to be perfect when it comes to decompression. I think there are two more quick things to
0: add to that. One is that ratio deco is kind of like an open source code, right? It is a strategy based on unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but it is a strategy based on a collection of algorithms. But it's it's clear what you're doing. When you're looking at a risk comp- computer on the way up, you have no idea what the algorithm is. You have no idea what the gradient factors are. You have no idea who programmed that. You're just following mm. it manufactured and manufactured. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that was in your question, Martina, was about PC-generated tables. Oh yeah. And, and basically that is the exact same answer that Ben just gave about the dive computer. You have a PC-generated table you can put in your, some parameters for you, but it's still, it's going to spit out based on its own algorithm. And we still don't know what that algorithm really is other than, like I said earlier, you can maybe adjust gradient factors and things like that. So the beauty of ratio DECO is that day-to-day, moment-to-moment, hydration level to hydration level, physical exhaustion to feeling great, um, all the physiological stuff Ben was talking about you just factor that in with a blink of an eye and you make a small adjustment either in deep or shallow stops or a little more of two or a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And mm. and you can just modify so easily
1: to your own physiology, as long as it stays within the confines of the team. Exactly. But I think also the question was with regards to the tables, was the repeatable error thing. Uh, yes. And this has to do, this has to do a little bit with complacency. Um, uh, we'll probably touch on that later. One of the reasons ratio deco, deco 3.0 or, or the strategy of using this way of calculating your decompression works because if you use it the way it's intended, the team stays sharp because no longer is the decision made by only one person, right? I mean, we three could go for a dive. We could probably make a very crude given all of our levels of ratio deco dive plan based on our gases. And we'll just say, okay, rock bottom is this, the minimum amount of gas we need to reserve to get from the bottom from the of the wreck uh, is, is X amount of bars. And we'll see how we go. You know, uh, I mean, well, if we want to stay shallow, we stay shallow. If we want to go deeper, we stay deeper. And we'll, we, because of our knowledge of ratio deco, we can adjust it on the fly. Now, Underwater, we will constantly think about our profile and uh, come to certain conclusions. When it comes to end the dive, the deco captain will not tell the team what to do, but will kind of confirm with the team, hey, I have reached to this conclusion. we go exit the dive. We're going to stop at 21 meters. Okay. Exit the dive. Everyone goes up. 21 meters, the deco captain says, decompression, four minutes, for example. And now the other two members of our team says, yes, I concur. I agree. I reached the same conclusion, four minutes. Or we take out a wet note and we jot down a quick profile with the numbers. You don't even have to write the depths because we all know the depths. It's every three meters. So you just write the minutes down and you show. And yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and you follow that plan. This is what keeps everyone sharp because all of us have to think about these things because what if I get confused? or what if my bottom timer craps out? you know and then Martina takes over or Jeff takes over. and that's the strength of ratio deco because if we were to dive on a dive computer, we would personally be responsible for the settings of a dive computer. Now no one goes around and checks, each other's dive computer. Hey, Martina, give me your dive computer. Let me just check if you've not screwed up all the settings. You know, and and, and Jeff, let let Martina check yours because no one does that, you know? And and I've personally been on a dive in the Red Sea on a recreational dive where we just sold a dive computer to a customer who was in the plane on the way over, played with all the buttons on the computer on the first dive after 18 minutes at 12 meters. She had to go up because she had four minutes left of decompression time. I was like, what? And she obviously gave me crap for selling her shitty computer, but she had set it to the highest conservative level and the highest elevation. So she was diving in the Himalayas, uh, being, you know, big <laughs> and smoking and everything else. So, yeah, no wonder uh, it thought she was going to die. Uh, so the settings are never going to be checked. So we're all just slave to the numbers on the screen. And we kind of hope that we're going to stay together and, you know, I'm going to stay with you, but we're kind of all following the screen in our own little bubble. Now, when it comes to that setting, even though I've made a mistake, I'll probably be aware that, okay, this is way more off than it should be. Like if you're going to say four minutes and uh, 21, and my decompression ceiling, according to my dive computer, is is at 12, you know, and, and what does yours say, Jeff? Yeah, mine is a 21 as well. Okay, there's something wrong with this one. There's probably nothing wrong with your computer. There's something wrong with me that pushed the numbers before the dive. I forgot something or added something or whatever. The big danger with tables is not in the beginning for beginning technical divers, because then they're all keen. Now imagine we three are all coming out of a class, super excited all hyped from the class still and we know how to plan these things and we take our little flippable uh, wrist slate that we all used to dive with you know and we write, go down we write down time runtime, depth gas switch time runtime depth and you make these endless long lists that you put on your slate that flips over and up and down and perfect and we all do it for for ourselves and we're on the bottom on the line looking at this thing and going all the way up like this right we remember Now, we do this for three or four months. Every weekend we meet up and we go for a tech dive. Eventually, we get so used to you, Martina, being so control in your system. You make an Excel spreadsheet and you plan these things ahead. And by the time we get to the cabin where we're supposed to go and sleep for the dive tomorrow, you've already printed it out. Jeff and I are looking at each other. Jeff's cooking dinner. I'm opening up a beer. I'm looking at those, oh my God, she did all the work. Perfect. Where's my flippy slate? And I go and grab my flippy slate. and I just go and write Martina's number. Okay, that looks good. That looks good. Perfect. All of a sudden, Martina make it, makes a mistake, which never happens, of course. I mean, perfect. But let's say someone played, the cat ran over your computer and pushed in extra numbers. Or something. Let's give the cat the, the problem, right? And now we have an error you've made that we're copying. And now there's no control because underwater, all our numbers match up because they're all exactly the same to the minute, right? And this is where the big problem comes. And then everyone says, no, 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 doesn't happen to me. I always make my own plan. Well, okay, good for you. But I'm just letting you know, for the listeners out there, there are many, many divers who do it that way. And it's an inherent dangerous practice. In, in my opinion. So that's what I mean in the materials by uh, repeatable error when it used to, when it comes to tables. Um, yeah. The errors come from everywhere. They come from oh, yeah. left, right, and
0: sideways. So let's, um, let's guide this a little bit now towards some recreational level questions. So Martina, you had a question about best mixes. This yes. is one of my favorite <laughs> topics because it gets me off on a rant that I can usually not stop. So um and we have two questions about best mixes. So don't one mention you the one war. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, because now we get to talk about, you know, nitrox. Oh, there you go, he said it. No. <laughs> so um what what's the what's your question about best mix? Let's go there.
2: The one about nitrox.
0: Uh either one. There's a couple in here, yeah.
2: Okay. The first the first one is a little bit tricky, a little bit polemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In your opinion, or in your experience, which is better?
0: It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, which is the range of admitted error in the mix? I mean, if I want a mm-hmm. Nitrox 32 and I have a nitrox, a nitrox 31 or a 33, is it that bad mm-hmm. or not? That's,
0: That's a good
1: question, question right? Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead, Dan.
0: Because I have a very strong opinion about this.
1: Well, if you're from Italy, just go down to Argentario divers and they're all spot on. It's all (laughs) 32.00. It's perfect. No, I mean, it's a a very good question. We get this question from every level of diver, basically. Um, uh, New beginning nitrox divers, um, but also experienced tech divers. Industry standard says plus or minus 1% and i i would i would agree with that of course the partial pressure of the oxygen has not to uh, exceed the safe limits that have been established right uh, to re- recoup those it's 1.4 for the bottom part in 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 mainstream diving 1.6 for decompression and we actually use an average of 1.2 for the diving part and all decompression except decompression with oxygen at 6 meters, which obviously is 1.6. So we keep our partial pressure even 0.2 of a percent lower than what is accepted as the industry standard as 1.4. We like to average out at at 1.2, which gives 1.28 when we think about nitrox 32, at the maximum depth of an air mixture at 30 meters. So plus or minus 1% is not going to uh, kill you uh, or or ruin your decompression. I, I completely mm. agree with you in a rare moment, but I have a
0: slightly different take on it where I think it's more critical if it's higher than if it's lower. Oh yeah, so for sure. I would I would say that if if we're saying that industry standards are plus or minus 1%, I would mm. be very careful if I got a mix of 34 and Dovid is 32 because of yeah, the increased 2%. partial pressure. That's 2%. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you go outside that range, I would not mm. want to go higher if I know my dive has the potential of getting to four atmospheres. Yeah. On the other hand, if I got 30, it's not going to hurt me. No. No. Right. If I got gonna 29, it's not going to hurt me. So I think you have to really look at it where the, where the danger of nitrox is. And primarily if you stick to four atmospheres, 30 meters, a hundred feet, the danger is only if your gas mixture is got too much oxygen and you're, you run your Mm -hmm. partial pressures closer to the edge, especially if you're on a dive, it's cold, you're exerting yourself, all of that. So, um, I'm never worried about slightly lower percentages. But I am always careful of percentages that are too higher. Plus, those are easy to fix. I mean, if you get a 34, just spill out a little bar, spill out a few PSI. You can figure it out on your little phone gas calculator, put some air on top, and you're back to 32. If you get 29 and you want to make that 32, you either have to boost oxygen in or start over. So you have to look at the practicality of this also. Bringing it down is easy bringing it up Mm. is a total pain in the ass. So, so that's my, that's kind of my answer to this. If you really want to know what I think about nitrox, go listen to podcast number six. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't done that yet and we can talk about why nitrox is the dumbest gas that's ever been created. Yeah. Which I think does a really good job leading us into our conversation about best mix.
1: Yeah. Well, if that answers your question, I think, it does. Did I answer uh, your question?
0: Or did I did I just yell enough that you don't want to ask any more details? <laughs> no, no. I,
1: I think it's good, right? Martina, what do you say?
2: Yes. It's, is it the same with helium?
1: Yeah. I was going to say, tell yeah, you to that's a good, two, that's a good, two on top of it. Good question. With helium, it's the same thing. Helium, I'm I'm even less worried. Uh, I would go with helium. The more, the better. If you ask for, let's say, an 1845... And the diving uh, company gives you 1850. Awesome. Just make sure you don't have to pay for the extra 5% because they fucked up the mix, but then be happy for <laughs> that did, <deed>, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly
0: right. Yeah. But yeah, in trimix, we'll get to this in a few minutes when we start talking about um, some of the other topics that are here. But yeah, in trimix, it's, it's again, the most important number is the
1: oxygen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Decompression gas is the same as well, of course. And I was going to say with decompression gas is to Jeff's point uh, there, you definitely don't want to go lower, uh, sorry, higher, because here we're going to push the 1.6 limit at the point of switching. So if you ask for a a 50% of decompression gas, nitrox 50, uh, you definitely don't want to leave from there with 52 or 53 in that bottle. Definitely top that up. So it's 50. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah, But if it's 48, it kind of
0: doesn't matter. No, okay, forget it. But- okay, so best mix. This is another, I love this topic. <laughs> yeah.
2: Another one, another mm. tricky one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have two questions about best mix. So go ahead and ask yours and I'll dig up the other one that came in.
2: Okay, the second one was, here, the helium it's very, very expensive. And in this period, mm. it's also really hard to find. Here, a lot of divers dive at 40 meters using Nitrox-28. Nitrox-28 has a narcotic potential, which is a little bit higher than the one that we want at 40 meters, because it's 35.5. Do you think that there could be an alternative Nitrox mix for dives at 40 meters, or Elitrox remain the only chance that we have?
0: Can I answer that first? Then you can do a real answer. <laughs> <laughs> sure, go ahead. Okay, here's my answer. No.
1: Okay, and now well, Ben, you, okay. you can you can play with it. <laughs> okay. Well, the the long answer is no. Uh, next question. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. no it's, but it's I mean, two reasons. It's, I mean, it's, it's a very it's, good it's, question. It's, it is
0: a good question. And there's two reasons, right? Obviously, yeah. one reason is because the PPO2, right? We don't want to drive the partial pressure any higher than we have to, because we only need mm-hmm. 0.2 to live, right? On the surface, we don't hardly yeah. need any oxygen. But the density of the gas at depth is a huge thing. And I've been, you've done a ton of work and research on gas density. So that's this is probably a good moment to kind of talk about yeah. that.
1: Well, that's exactly that was going to be my point, right? I mean, from from a history standpoint in the industry, uh, a big big focus has always been on narcosis, and it used to be called night nitrogen narcosis. Then it was just called narcosis because oxygen was deemed to be just as narcotic as nitrogen, uh, which it, not really it 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 doesn't. And I think that's also one of your questions, so we can we can talk about that in a in a little bit. Uh, but let's leave it in the middle for now. Um, so, narcosis has always been a big focus point. And obviously, it's important. We cannot ignore it. But recently, in recent knowledge, the gas density has a much bigger impact on us than narcosis has from a safety point of view. Because... Narcosis—you can you can kind of train your body into reacting or, or responding to narcosis because it's some people uh, it used to be called the Martini effect uh, because it was related to the same like uh, intoxications you get from alcohol, uh, but it's not really like alcohol because I've been drunk before and I've been narked before. The problem with Drunk is that as soon as you step out of the bar, you're still drunk. Uh, the good thing with narc is if you, as soon as you start to go up, the narcosis disappears, and you don't wake up with a hangover the day after either. So it's a different system and it's a different uh, effect on your body. Even though, yes, we do react slower, we make poor choices, and we usually um, don't react. Uh, in the same way with everyone being intoxicated, regardless if it was alcohol or, or in this case, gases. So the narcosis part is, is, uh, is of course, important. Um, but I'm going to say the density of the gas is the biggest issue. And with all things in life, it's about the choices, right? And I truly, truly, truly understand the dilemma that many of these divers in these tropical waters like the Red Sea Like Italy, where it's nice and warm and clear, and you can definitely go down to a deeper wreck, which is between the depths of 30 and 40 meters, and spend a good dive there with Nitrox 28, or even air for that matter. We can never tell them don't do that. It's a choice. I mean, we can just say, well, you're putting your body onto an unnecessary high amount of stress when it comes to decompression obligation, not so much due to the gases you're breathing, but due to the density of the gases you're breathing. Because now we know that the density of the gas gives our body a much higher work of breathing. And it's not the work of breathing you're noticing when you're breathing, because you can breathe just as fine. These regulators are super uh, high quality nowadays, so you don't even notice your breathing syrup. But the gas exchange that's going to take place in your lungs are going to be affected by the density of the gas. Now, and if you look into the materials, uh, I explained this um, by giving an analogy between a train station with an empty platform and a full train or a train station with a full platform and a full train. Now, imagine the people from the train are going to get out of the train into the platform and onto their, on with their lives. If the platform's empty, it's easy for them to do so because there's no one in the way. If the platform is congested with all the other people, gases, dense gas, it's going to be harder for the gases to interact. It's going to be or interchange. It's going to be harder for the people from the platform to get into the train, the lungs, and it's going to be harder for the people from their lungs, the train, to get out onto the platform. So gas exchange is, is inhibited. Amongst other stuff, that's a pr- big problem. Obviously, Due to the fact that your gas exchange has been slowed down or hampered, you're going to retain CO2. And CO2 is the one gas we want to get rid of. Because when you talk about narcotic potency, CO2 compared to oxygen and nitrogen is through the roof. It's, it's like twice. It's really aggressive. So we, we definitely want to get rid of CO2. Amongst others, that CO2 is the whole signal to our brain to refresh our gases. So it, it turns us into a, like a negative spiral because our body is getting signals to ventilate. We're trying to ventilate that bad gas out of our lungs, but we can't really, because it's so full of the dense gas that we cannot really get rid of it. It's like kicking in, in quicksand, the harder you kick, the deeper you sink, but you want to kick to get out. It, it's kind of in that way it works. And there's been fatalities, uh, due to dense gas. I mean, I don't think there's been with all fairness fatalities of dense gas in the 40 meter range. Definitely not. I don't think so. But it does play a role and it might be uh, related to uh, a certain uh, condition called pulmonary edema in healthy divers. There is articles online. Go on and Google that. You'll find them which is basically fluid buildup in the lungs of, of healthy divers and it's, it's fluid from the body. You can get uh, or hyponatremia, you over drink water, and basically, the cells kind of reject that. And, and uh, in diving, it's called pulmonary edema in healthy divers, um, the, the article was called. And it might be related to dense gas, or, or at least breathing resistance. Because if you look at uh, tests that have been done on um, voluntary minute respiratory volumes, which is basically a measuring of how how much volume can you voluntarily inhale and exhale over a period of time? Um, so let's say a minute. So you, you put on a mask and you breathe as hard as you can in and out, and you move as many air molecules in and out as, as you can at the surface. Let's say that number is 100. At 30 meters, that number is 50. It's half. And if you look at the graph, it's it's, it's not a linear line down. It's It's exponential. So if it's, it's going really steeply down after 30 meters even. So it's crazy how how high that gas density impacts our ability to ventilate our lungs. And that's what we're kind of doing when we're diving, right? We're ventilating the bad gas out, CO2 out, and oxygen in. And in when it comes to decompression diving, we're not only trying to get rid of CO2, we're also trying to get rid of... Um, all the inert gases that are now on our way out again that come from our tissues. So if so, this dense gas screws up perfusion in your body, it's yeah. going
0: to have a huge impact on getting out the bad gas, which in our case yeah. is, is mostly nitrogen or might be some helium. But you, you want your circulation system functioning in the best possible way to move the most possible molecules as quickly as possible as you reduce pressure coming up so yeah. those molecules come out of either as micro bubbles or as molecules into the blood, into the lungs, you breathe them out and you want yeah. that system to be as tuned up as possible. And when you start to load these dense gases, that's another impact that it'll have is, is slowing down that, that ability to get the, as you just said, get the, the inert gases out through the, mm. the transfer from blood and tissue
1: to lungs yeah. to, to expel. And then to to you know, to know to, to add on top of that, you sometimes hear uh, the argument uh, from the people who choose to do those dives anyway. They're uh, saying, yeah, but then I'll just take an extra oxygen bottle. So at six meters, I'll do my safety stop with oxygen, um, which might sound good. But the reason for not doing those dives on deep air is not so much because of the decompression obligation. You don't put so much more decompression uh, risk on you um and on the other hand it has shown that a higher level of co2 increases your um, uh, susceptibility for oxygen toxicity it, it it increases your sensitivity to oxygen in the central nervous system so that's actually not a good idea <laughs> from that respect so yeah it, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing it's like smoking, you know, uh, or doing drugs. I mean, we all know it's not good and there's still people that do that and it's their choice. And it's, okay. um, we have a culture
0: and a, a philosophy and an ethos that we've been sticking to since day one, before we knew more about gas density, while we still thought it was narcosis. That is, yeah. you know, we have, we have a four atmosphere limit for, um, air and or nitrox, and we're going to stick to that. There's no sign of that changing. Um, and no, you know no. somebody and- somebody else asked the question that um, you know the deep air crowd that will dive to 187 feet, which is what's 70 meters or so on air, 60 meters, mm. um, and assume the risk that comes with it. You know, is that a community we're going to serve? And I'm just going to pretty much say no, we're not going to serve that community. You're going to either oh, have yeah, to be yeah. able to purchase the helium. Or you're going to have to be able to purchase a rebreather, which uses less helium. And depending on your dive, you can amortize that over, you know, years or decades, or you're going to have to find the the coolest possible dives in the world that you can find at hundred feet, 30 meters. Yeah. I think those are the options, at least in our community, in our UTD community. If you don't want to dive within those parameters, there's lots of places you can do it. We just don't happen to be one of them. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. I have a quick one here. Somebody asked, if you want to do a tech one dive after less than three hours of surface time, does the tech one course teach you how to modify your wonder on ratio, or would that be covered in our tech two? This question came in, not from Martina. It came in from one of our readers, listeners or something. I have never heard of a three hour surface time surface interval in any no. of our programs. Have you? no no so all all of our normal surface intervals apply right an hour if you do your proper deco if you're in if you're in the recreational realm and you don't make it to an hour you're going to double the shallow stops yeah 30 20 10 and your successive dive and if you know you're going to have a shorter surface interval in the minimum deco system double them prior to coming out of the water the first time and then on the tech dives just come up clean and then go back in the water and do your normal dive. Because the idea of ratio deco is yeah. it gets you out of the water functionally clean to do a second dive after an hour on the surface. So I don't know where that exactly. came from, but it didn't come from our content. No, um, no, I, I've never heard that before either.
1: Uh, I think that was your questions.
0: I think we got most of them, right? There's one in here about the oxygen window. That's, that's yeah, opens yeah. Up a big can of worms. You want to you wanna ask that yeah. one?
2: There are two questions about oxygen. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the first one was about the um, how do we still consider oxygen as a yep. narcotic gas, even if there are some some studies that uh, affirm that it is actually not narcotic. And the second one is about the oxygen window. During this podcast, you are explaining us that the resedico it's a very very powerful instrument. Can we call it like that, like Mm -hmm. an instrument? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's really important to be able to use it in the correct way. So to understand it really in deep, not just to learn the number. Okay. Exactly. And to do that, it is really important to understand why. Why, when, and how. So the oxygen window, why, when, and how.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. And and I think on the the other piece of it, on the gas density, for, for the moment, we're going to accept common research that oxygen is as narcotic as nitrogen and kind of leave it at that because there's research that supports it. I'm sure there's research that doesn't. But um, in our world, those two gases have very si- similar solubilities and similar narcotic properties. Um, and it's all so easily... Modified with helium. That I don't think we need to go down that road again. But the oxygen window. No, like I think we, can, we should talk about.
1: Yeah, we can quickly touch on it because it's question that pops pop up every so often, and it's a bit the same. Like I talked before with the with the fact that intoxication can come from different sources. Uh, so if you talk alcohol or drugs, right, it's it's both an intoxication. Uh, I've never tried the latter, but uh, I've seen. Plenty of people, I mean, grew up in Amsterdam, so I've seen plenty of people intoxicated on the bad stuff. But it does affect us in a a similar way, even though the mechanisms inside our bodies are different. And I think this is the same with oxygen and uh, uh, nitrogen. Nitrogen is a very uh, lipid-soluble gas. It means that it it, 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 it dissolves into the lipid cells, the fat cells of our uh, spinal cord. And that's where it inhibits neural uh, transmission, so the sparks don't fire as big, as good, and as strong as they would if they weren't saturated with nitrogen. Oxygen has a different, and that's I think. Weren't you involved in a study or or, or reading up in a study um, some years ago, Martina, when when they, when they did some testing? Yes, with, yes, with, with like um.
2: Yes, with the electrodes in divers doing dives. Yeah. In- Y minus forty.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I I think what was his name? (laughs) Was it Pia? Pia Roberto? No,
2: that was another one. (laughs) Okay, I remember I
1: had a talk with her about uh, um, like an optical device that could measure. Yes, like Uh,
2: it was uh, called uh, objectively sound frequencies.
1: Yeah, exactly. That could measure uh, if you were knocked or not objectively
2: yes they were able to measure the um, cortical activity by yeah. the maximum velocity of the changing of light the and light, uh, light and dark in the screen yeah. so the, the the higher was the, the velocity that you were able to um, uh, catch the higher was the cortical activity That's yeah i remember
1: cool. she was explaining. yeah it was exciting so but yeah <laughs> so there's there is definitely uh, um, science there that is is, is for it and and against it. Um, When we look at really simple gas density of of nitrogen, uh, compared to oxygen, they're very similar and oxygen is slightly bigger and heavier um, than nitrogen. And therefore, I think it's always been assumed. uh, And it also does make the the math a hell of a lot easier uh, that nitrox um, or oxygen is just as narcotic. In effect, it's been said that it's been more narcotic like than a nitrogen, but before, because we consume part of it as part of our metabolism, and because there's less of it in, in most mix- mixes, we just say it's equal to the narcotic potency of nitrogen. Unless we have some more uh, hard data that we can take that away, it will never... Take away from the fact that the density of the gas still remains the same, and that's what it goes to the point that we had earlier. It's like okay, the narcosis is one point. I'm not so scared about the narcosis. I'm more scared for the density of the gas and all the effects that has to do with it. And so, oxygen,
0: of course, we breathe in oxygen, metabolize what we need, and generally breathe out the rest. Whereas yeah, nitrogen, if we're not it at its equalized up. pressure, we breathe in the nitrogen. Tries to equalize at whatever pressure we are at that moment, mm. and then we breathe out the rest. So yeah. there is a, a much you know, it's a, the retention of nitrogen in our body is very different than the retention of oxygen. And and mm. from a completely non scientific standpoint, that may be where some of this has come from. That people are saying the yeah. oxygen's getting out faster, or or almost immediately where the nitrogen we're retaining, but the density mm. uh, is where we're really we're going to move forward. But let's move yeah. on to in the last few minutes we have today um, to talk about an oxygen window a little bit and and how th- ratio deco 3.0 looks at an oxygen window. Is it any different when you did this man mm. versus how we had yeah. it in the past and so on? Because we're still using them.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes, I know. I mean, t- really short, we can decompress uh, via two systems, right? We can either go shallower and create a gradient between the dissolved gas in our tissues and the non-dissolved gas that we're breathing. And by creating that gradient, we're creating a pressure differential, the gradient. So the gas will travel in the opposite way. Again, it's, it's the law of communicating barrels. I think it's what it's called um, in English. Uh, but it's basically if you reduce the pressure on the outside. And the pressure on the inside is higher it'll wa- wander towards the lower pressure side so um, that's a way of decompressing and that's the way we always decompress if we're doing non-decompression dives it's kind of why we tongue-in-cheek call it minimum decompression dives mdl because any dive uh, deeper than 10 i'm going to say is, is decompression dive um, the oxygen window is a mechanism we can use to trick our body into thinking there is a pressure reduction due to a change in depth and change in pressure that's by switching the gases and we're actually opening up what's called an oxygen window our body doesn't know what depth we are it only knows what pressure we are at to a certain extent it probably doesn't even know the pressure but it 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 responds to a differential in pressure between the dissolved gas and the non-dissolved gas if we switch gas at a constant depth we're changing the partial pressures of the gases we're breathing. In that way, tricking our body into searching out an equilibrium. So the big benefit of that is that we can actually decompress our bodies without the formation of bubbles uh, that get to grow bigger. Because for us to decompress, we need to get gas out of a liquid state into a gaseous state. All right, we need to get it out of our tissues, and which is liquid, most part, into a gaseous state so it can actually be transported back to our lungs and be filtered out. Now, if we go and create bubbles, tiny, tiny micro bubbles that we now have known for many years uh, arise at, at about uh, a reduction of the ambient pressure by half, so not half of the depth, but half of the ambient pressure, which is different. Knowing that, if we then keep those bubbles small, and add an oxygen window where we create a pressure differential, we can actually aid our body in decompression a bit faster. And that's the whole trick behind accelerated decompression and switching gases on our decompression stops. Um, that oxygen window is very real. And yes, definitely we're using it. And from the very beginning, Ratio Deco acknowledged the fact that, hey, wait a minute, if that partial pressure, partial high partial pressure initially at the deeper parts of the decompression segment so let's let's say a segment is 21 meter segment from 21 to 9 meters the deeper part of that segment is the 21 and the 18 meter stop right there the departure pressure is at its highest it's it starts at 1.55 and then slowly slowly decreases uh to 9 meters and we're at 0.8 and then it's it's basically switched back to the back gas to get us ready for the next gas which if we're doing a two decompression uh, two gas decompression dives, the average partial pressure of oxygen during that decompression segment from 21 meters to uh, nine meters is 1.2 still. However, because we're staying or used to stay even longer, we've reduced that now a little bit. And, and you'll learn more about that in the materials, why we've made that reduction at the 21 and 18 meter stops um because there's that's one of the things that was changed due to the research but we still kept him longer than most algorithms uh, do because we still see and know there is a benefit to uh, giving our bodies an extra little bit of kick to um, to get rid of that initial tissue loading because the reason behind all the algorithms out there not doing it is because they're all still based on an exponential curve, because that's mathematically much easier to put into a computer system. You know, uh, all algorithms work with an exponential curve, it's super easy to program. Computers cannot really be programmed to to do it differently every time the same parameters come in, because that's what humans can do, we can adapt. And that's what a computer can't do. So, the oxygen window is definitely a thing uh, and there, the whole thinking behind it uh, in all forms of accelerated decompression. Uh, we just looked at it, okay, we can, we, can, we can help our bodies a little bit better even by incorporating, incorporating what we call the S-curve. Uh, and again, the S-curve in the past was a much uh, stronger S with equal um, lengths of the S on the top and the bottom if that makes any visual sense for those listening on the podcast Uh, but now the bottom part of the s has become shorter and the top part of the s has stayed the same so it's still an s but a shorter s if you understand what i mean i Um, think when you look at an oxygen window
0: it's easier to kind of visualize the benefits and how it all works if you talk about just using pure oxygen at at 20 feet 6 meters because you're not you know, your, your vision of what an oxygen window does is not influenced by the fact that at 21 meters and 70 feet, you've got nitrox 50, which still has a boatload of nitrogen in it. Mm. So you're getting the benefit of the higher partial pressure of oxygen. You're still getting loading from the, um, the nitrogen that's in that bottle. But if you really look at the whole concept of an oxygen window and get to understand it, when you're, when you've made the switch to pure oxygen then you can take those concepts and apply them to a higher PPO2 in a mix like nitrox 50. I think it's just, hmm. it's a little easier to visualize the benefits of it. Yeah. At that
1: point. It, it comes down to what we earlier described with gas density. If, if, you, if you take your example, that's a good uh, point, Jeff, at six meters and you're switching to 100% pure oxygen, you're not breathing anything else but oxygen. So your lungs will be filled with 100% pure oxygen. So all the gases that are coming out of your body, uh, let's let's call it only nitrogen in this case, have absolutely no resistance from nitrogen in your lungs yeah. because yeah. there isn't any. So the, the partial pressure of nitrogen in your lungs, the undissolved, is as low as it can get. And it takes away the argument that you're continuing to
0: load slow tissues with the nitrogen in these these deeper um. Yeah. These and, deeper and that's gases what we that saw nitrogen in. Yeah. And that's why we shortened up the S-curve. Exactly.
1: One of your questions earlier also was, uh, what was the biggest difference? And we touched a little bit about that in the beginning. But one big, big contributing factor to 3.0 a change was due to the fact that we're still uh, having deep stops, but not as deep as they were and not as long as they were, much shallower. I mean, you have to really make a big dive for the first stops to be deeper than 50% it really pushed the envelope and it's now all based on, on decompression time and not so much on bottom time. We've also incorporated a slow, slow ascent to the surface, and that's based on uh, total decompression time as well. And that's super important. So I'm going to say uh, to close this off uh, as a, a long pot, long-ish podcast, uh, any diver out there using ratio deco or not, really try to incorporate that last slow ascent to the maximum. I mean... When your decompression is done at six meters do what we call a five minute ascent meaning take one minute at least for every meter you go up so it takes you yes it takes you five minutes to get to the surface but it really 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 benefits you in every way possible yeah i've been doing that for ever and i yeah. had noticed
0: a dramatic change in um particularly in skin bends i used to get hmm. skin bends all the time and i i started doing this really slow ascents on oxygen at the end and it went away. It was yeah. crazy. So. It all right, worked. I think uh that's a good ending point. So, um Martina, thank you so so much for doing the work and digging up the questions and and uh and joining us and and Ben as always,
1: thank you. Yeah, for, I think I think, I think we covered them all. I think we got most <laughs> yeah. of
2: them. Yeah. Actually, but, I really want to thank you both because all these questions come from real life questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> and it was really really interesting to, to be able to see how everything is really deeply connected and everything has a very deep and particular e- explanation so yeah. uh, it's really important and uh, it's really really important to be able to correctly use the ratio dico i think that it's yeah. a really think- powerful instrument
1: Yes, you made that point earlier, and was, I was—I meant to compliment you on that. But it's really good that you made that point because the biggest benefit of ratio deco is when you understand it completely, and yeah. when you're not just looking yeah. at the numbers. Because we get this sometimes that you get these tech savvy kids in the classes. That say, "Oh, I can put this in a spreadsheet, and boom, boom, wham, bam!" And they come sometimes even pre-planned, and they just push in the numbers. And look, it's the ratio of deco Every thing. month, oh, somebody great. sends
0: us sends us an email, say, "Hey, I built a spreadsheet. Do you want to see it? No. Do you
1: want to put it in your materials? No, no, no thank you. It's no. kind of missing the point, though. You're nicer. I'm like, <laughs> but, no, thanks, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so, but that but, because but because that, it's not you the have point. to give yourself yeah. the time to really go deep into the materials." And it's like your math teacher always said in the when you were in school, have to write down the the, the method and not the outcome and yeah. focus on the method because that's yes. where you can, can change yes, it. because and I really
2: it, noticed that the risk is that at a certain point, if you ask to divers, why do you mm, do like that? Because we do like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's never yeah. an and answer in our training materials well. or in our instructor training program. But, you know, it's, it's a dangerous too, situation because... You know, you do bring up a point that I, w- I think we should do this again, maybe in a couple of weeks, but we should do it on Cascade. I think Cascade Ratio Deco is the single most misunderstood part of the whole program. And mm. especially, you know, now, because it's kind of changed a little bit from the original Ratio Deco and then Ratio Deco 2.0. And I, I think we should do a podcast on Cascade Ratio Deco. Yeah, we can. One. So, but for now, thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Martina. Mm. Thanks, everybody for listening. If you made it to this point, thank you especially because it's, a, it's been a really interesting discussion and, uh, and a cool discussion about how, how ratio Deco works in real life. So got to thank Martina for digging up the questions and, and really stepping just, up on that one.
1: It just flipped screens. I know. She Martina raised her how? hand.
0: I don't know. She raised her hand on Zoom can you do that <laughs> i guess you can <laughs> so, all right everybody so um I'll you can find that uh, it's cool oh look and put, put a of- heart up <laughs> i'm busy talking. oh an ice cream cone um, <laughs> or an That's upside party down party hat. Cone. it's a party upside down hat i'm yeah. busy talking you guys are doing awesome but i'm busy <laughs> talking so um <laughs> You can get the podcast wherever you can find your podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Pandora and Spotify and all that stuff. Be sure to leave us a rating and review, tell your friends about it, so other smart, interested ratio deco divers can find us. And uh, yeah, we'll be back for more soon. So awesome. Thank you, everybody.
2: Hell is going outside. Down the street.